Such English bookbindings of an early date as still exist are, as a rule, bound in dark brown goatskin or brown sheepskin. The earliest notices about bookbindings are to be found in some of the wardrobe accounts of Edward IV, but of the many bindings which were made for that king, the only remaining sign now left is a loose cover in the library of Westminster Abbey, it is ornamented with a panel stamp bearing the king's arms, with supporters. In medieval times, books, mostly religious, were generally written, copied, illuminated, and bound in the monasteries themselves, and were frequently of large size. After the date at which printing was introduced into Europe, about the middle of the 15th century, books became commoner, and very soon, as a general rule, smaller, the printer, binder, and publisher usually combining in his own person the functions hitherto performed by separate artists and artificers, the illuminators, scribes, silversmiths, goldsmiths, jewelers, enamelers, and workers in leather, wood, or ivory. In short, the art of producing books became in every way a less ornamental and a commoner one. It is disappointing that no single specimen of the rich medieval style of bookbinding exists of English workmanship. Such bindings were undoubtedly made here, and numerous drawings of them are to be seen in contemporary manuscript. It is certain that the intrinsic value of these covers attracted the attention of some of our sovereigns, especially the early tutors, and whenever they were of any value at all, the crucible accounts for their disappearance. Luckily the manuscripts themselves, now infinitely more valuable than the gold and silver which formerly covered them, have in innumerable instances been carefully preserved unhurt. But it is some comfort to know that much beautiful work of the kind we have so unfortunately lost here can be seen and studied in Dublin, at the Royal Irish Academy, and other institutions. In that city are to be seen noble specimens of the old book shrines, or covers, which protected the valuable manuscripts, illuminated sometimes by the ancient Irish scribes in such richness that they have never been excelled in beauty. These covers are in all probability nearly the same as the English ones were, they bear ornamentation of a similar Gothic character, nearly analogous to the Anglo-Saxon styles, and the jewels are cut and set in the same way as is found in old English jewelers' work. The Cumdac, or cover, of Molay's Gospels, that of the Stowe Missal and Dimma's book, are all beautiful examples. The Irish jewelers were justly celebrated workmen, they migrated largely to the continent, and traces of their skill often show on Byzantine bindings made from about the 9th to the 11th centuries. The older part of the magnificent cover of the Gospels of Lindau is Irish work. This was shown in 1891 at the Burlington Fine Art Club, and until lately was the property of the Earl of Ashburnham. It is one of the most gorgeous bookbindings in existence. In some eastern countries bordering on Europe, especially the north of Africa and parts of Asia, books were bound in leather and ornamented with gold at a very early date. Signs of such work are found on bindings of the 12th century onwards, but it is always rare, and only sparingly used. The manner of working the gold differs considerably from the way it is treated now. Persian, Arabian, and Egyptian work of this sort is of great interest, and well deserves more attention, and examination, than it has yet received.
It even seems that some kind of gilding on books was practiced in England as early as 1480, as appears from one of the accounts of Piers Cordes, keeper of the king's great wardrobe in the city of London, but there is not enough information given to enable us to say what sort of gilding this was, neither do the existing specimens throw any definite light on this particular point. The account in which this reference to gilding on books occurs is one of the entries referring to the privy purse expenses of Elizabeth of York, daughter of Edward IV, and afterwards wife to Henry VII. The words are as follows. Piers Baudouin stationer for binding gilding and dressing of a book called Titus Levius, XX, for binding gilding and dressing of a book of the Holy Trinite, XVJ, for binding gilding and dressing of a book called The Bible, XVJ, for binding gilding and dressing of a book called Le Government, of Kings and Princes XVJ, and for binding and gilding and dressing of a book called The Bible Historial XX. It is, I think, probable that these bindings were ornamented with panel stamps, which were simply gilded all over, and that the process referred to was not that which is now generally understood as gold tooling. During the Middle Ages Venice was the most important European center of trade with Eastern countries, and so it naturally comes about that the first European gold tooling on leather comes from that great art center, and occurs in Italian bindings of the 15th century. Not only does gold tooling first appear in Venetian work, but there also it reached its highest development, several of the early bindings tooled in gold on dark leathers being quite unsurpassed for delicacy and originality of design, as well as for beauty of workmanship. In several of these bindings the direct inspiration that has been afforded by the study of Oriental originals is very apparent. Innumerable also are the methods the Italian artists followed with regard to their management of gold leaf or gold foil, sometimes a whole design is picked out with minute gold dots, sometimes backgrounds are flatly gilded all over, leaving the design on the leather, and sometimes the method of working closely resembles that followed at the present day. The early Venetian bookbinders, as well as some of the Oriental gilders, knew some way of gilding a line drawn on leather by means of a style. This is a difficult thing to do, but effective in competent hands, and if it could be done with any degree of safety, such a process would now open up an entirely new field for decorative bookbinders, who are at present much bound down by the limitations forced upon them in consequence of chiefly using set stamps specially cut for each curve and bend in detail. Of course such lines are easy to execute in blind, but it is when the gilding begins that the difficulties increase. The essential point in gold tooling on leather, as we know it, consists in the fixation of gold leaf by means of albumen. The design is marked in blind on leather and painted over with glare of egg, the gold leaf then being carefully laid over it, the marks of the blind tooling show clearly through the gold and each of these impressions is steadily re-impressed with the same tools in the same places over the gold. The tools are heated to a point just sufficient to harden the albumen without burning the leather. If necessary, this process can be repeated again and again, until in the finest specimens of such work the gold looks as if wires of the solid burnished metal were actually inlaid on the leather. The albumen protected by the gold in England during the 15th century the printing, binding, 
and publishing of printed books generally vested in the same individual, but by degrees these processes became specialized, and towards the end of the 16th century they were carried out by different persons. Now and then, among the earlier specimens of Berthollet's work, designs of a similar kind occur on the outside of the binding in gold, and inside the book printed in black. The occurrence of such a peculiarity would point strongly to the probability of the printer having also been the binder, or at all events that the control of both processes was in the hands of the same master. Although no medieval English bindings of the richer sort are now left, several of the simpler kind bound in leather still remain. Most of these are ornamented with impressions from small cameo stamps impressed in blind, that is to say, without gold. Most of such bindings are bound in dark brown leather, either goatskin, corresponding to our Morocco, or sheepskin, corresponding to our Rhone. Each of these old leathers is sound and fine in color, and always brown, color dyes for leather, except red, being a later, and probably hurtful, innovation. The boards of these bindings, like those of the decorated kind, are of wood, sometimes thick, sometimes thin. The thick boards were made heavy, because many of the manuscripts were written on vellum, which is very curly, and the weight of the covers was useful in counteracting this defect. The thin boards were very carefully chosen, and must have been well seasoned, as they are very rarely indeed warped at all. In many instances stamps of the monasteries at which they were made are impressed on these boards, and this is a sign of the careful manner in which even the smallest details concerning books was superintended. Berthollet's boards are always of cardboard, or its equivalent, and although wooden boards are often found at a subsequent time to this, they may as a rule be considered to have gone out of universal use here about the end of the 15th century. The reputed oldest specimen of all the English bookbindings is bound in red leather, possibly deerskin. It is known as St. Cuthbert's Gospels, and was found, A.D. 1105, in the tomb of St. Cuthbert when it was opened. St. Cuthbert died A.D. 687, and the book is supposed to have been buried with him. It contains the Gospel of St. John, written on vellum, and is now treasured at Stonyhurst College. The volume is in such a remarkable state of preservation, both outside and inside, that a certain amount of discredit attaches to the legend of its great antiquity. It is bound in thin boards of limewood, covered with red leather, curiously worked and colored. The upper cover bears a decorative rectangular panel, the central portion of which, nearly square, has a symmetrical foliated curve of double S form, repoussé, and, showing, slight traces of color, Above and below this are two long panels in which are drawn freehand scrolls of Anglo-Saxon character, deeply lined. These scrolls are painted blue and yellow. The underside is simply ornamented with fillets. The design of this binding is unquestionably very old and may fittingly be referred to about the date of St. Cuthbert's death. Mr. E. Gordon Duff, however, inclines to the view that it is not actually the original binding but is a copy of about the 12th or 13th century. Even if it were made at the latest date attributed to it, it is still the earliest existing English book bound in red leather, as well as the only one decorated in the true style of Anglo-Saxon art.